I want to give you, I'm not going to read all these. If you want a copy of this, you can get one after the service. This is Mark Barclay's predictions, which we, we give you every year. And usually he, he's really pretty much right on. And so he gives you a, a, a number of things. It says, America and the world will see more devastating signs of rebellion and trouble in our streets. Until the Bible is held sacred in our houses of education and homes, we will face the horrible consequences of immorality. The Antichrist spirits and, hum and humans will barrage our country on several fronts to divide her and cripple her. War in Washington. Elections will prove. Now listen. Elections will prove devastating if the church does not rally and vote. I'm telling you, folks, we're going to continue to press in in prayer for our nation. Amen. Um, I'm trying to bring out some positive things. It says, we will begin to see the body of Christ make a sharp turn back to the Bible, and their hunger for the truth will cause them to seek out churches where Bible teaching is preeminent. Amen. God will deal with his children this year about the sins of omission. We will begin to see the signs of a revival of repentance as many come to their senses and press into, into God and his altar. True churches, true local churches will become more popular and they will grow. And see, as I was standing here to, or, or worshiping today, I felt like God was speaking to my heart that this year you're going to want to come to church, not because you have to, but because you want to. There's a difference. He says, the secular churches will grow also <laughs> and become more and more like goat gatherings with ranchers instead of sheepfolds with shepherds. It says, there will be more evidence that God is raising up an army of red-hot believers and an army of courageous ministers who will look in the face of evil and filth and rebuke it. That's good, isn't it? Many things will be exposed and dealt with this year in every realm of life, including government, politics, and the church. It will be a year of uncovering, even starting in late 2017. Okay. There will be a constant attack against our founding documents from within America. Simultaneously, there will be attacks against the Bible from within the church. Truth must abound. Boy, I think I was uh, kind of right on last year talking about truth. Stop supporting the hirelings, heretics, and motivational speakers. <laughs> you just, you got to know him. And divert your money to the truth bearers. Yeah. Turn your ears away from heresy and false doctrines, not away from the truth. Amen. So pick up a copy of that, and, and then you can refer to it in uh, the days ahead. We're, we're our, I've entitled this, this series called Back to the Basics, and we're going to talk about the church, the importance of the local church, we're going to get into uh, the, the vision of Harvest Church and our purpose. And last week, if you remember, we learned that uh, there were some four, 
four characteristics or four key components Barclay gave years and years ago that are necessary in a church. So if our church is going to be effective this year, he's, he talked about the first one was love. Everyone say love. The next one, it needs to be a Christ-governed church. In other words, God's in charge, not men. Okay, not a board. Then it says, number three, it needs to be a training center. We need to train you. Just like we're, we're having training for night to shine. We want to train you. And, and my, I'll tell you what, I, I'm going to hold you to it. How, how many of you usually come to church on Easter? None of you. I feel for you when you're leading worship. I said, how many of you usually think, Easter time's the time to come to church. Okay. Just calm down. Take a deep breath. It'll be all right, Pastor Mike. This is the year I, I believe you need to come to church on Easter, but you need to believe, believe God and, and ask people, ask unbelievers to come with you. Neighbors and friends and family. So start thinking. Ask. Just talk to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me people in my life that I can invite. Because you know what? Most people come to church on Easter. They will. So I, I really believe it's it's going to be a, a, a good weekend. And that's going to be a weekend of, of evangelism. It's going to be a weekend of training. So that's the third thing. And the fourth thing, and that leads into evangelism. The church should be an evangelistic center. We should be concerned about the lost. We should be concerned about the sinner. Amen? Amen. Now, I gave you this statement, and this was good, and I believe Barclay said this years ago. He says, the local church is the ark of safety in the last days. And it's the born-again church. We're no longer building the church, but rather filling it. And so this year, I want you to have the mindset that, you know, we're going to fill the church. But you know what? I, I, I don't want goats. I want sheep. Now, I'll, I'll take a goat if he's going to become a sheep. <laughs> but if it's going to be a goat or a wolf, we're not going to let him in. We want true sheep. Are you here today? Must be the weather. You're just a little subdued. We want sheep. We want to reach people this year. And you're going to hear me talk about it. I'm going to talk about it every week. And it's going to get in on the inside of you. That's what this year is all about. Look at Acts chapter 1. We'll go on today and... and uh, We won't get through all this, but I want to give you some early characteristics of, uh, of the early church, characteristics of the early church. Now, we're not the early church. The church has grown sp spiritually. We know more, okay? But in, in some respects, we're sure not acting like the early church. And I want you to see there are some key things that the early church did that promoted miracles, that 
promoted spiritual growth and numerical growth in the church. And in Acts chapter 1, without reading all of this, it, it, let's start with verse 12. It says, And they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying, Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. Now look at verse 14. I'll give you, we'll start here and I'll give you a couple more references to this. It says, these all continued with what? With one accord. Now in the margin of my Bible, it says purpose or mind. So they all continued with one purpose or one mind. They were in one accord. Say one accord. They all continued with one accord in prayer, supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. Now look at chapter 2. It says of Acts, it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. One accord in one place. Now look over at verse 46. Verse 46. It says, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. One more. Look at Acts 8. Acts chapter 8 and verse 5. Let's see here if I got the right scripture. Maybe I didn't. Yeah, this is right. That's Yeah, that's right. It says, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. Verse 6, And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. So are you getting <laughs> the picture here? This group of early believers, the early church, they were in one accord. Say it again, one accord. Now, this, this word in the Greek, homothumadon, it means this, being un unanimous, having mutual consent, being in agreement, having group unity, having one mind and purpose. A harmony leading to action. The Amplified says it this way. All of these with their minds in full agreement. Their minds were, see your mind needs to get involved. Your minds are in full agreement. They were all assembled together in one place. And day after day they reg regularly assembled in the temple with united purpose. And great crowds of people with one accord listened to and heeded what was said by Philip. So those are different translations, but I think you're getting the picture. So do you think we're supposed to be in agreement at Harvest Church? We are to be of one mind at Harvest Church. One purpose. So what, let me ask you this, because this will tell us if, if, you're, if you're listening to what I'm saying. What should we be in agreement about this year? Reaching a lost evangelism. Okay. Anything else? 
What? Bia? Filling the church. Good, you're listening. What else? Prayer? More prayer. Anything else? Training? Okay. We're missing something that's really important. Well, yeah, night just shine, but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of something else because Kathy, we've been promoting some things here. Abe promoted it and Brad promoted it today. You got a double whammy of it. Family, specifically men, women, we need to be in agreement. God wants to do a work in, in the lives of men and women. Okay, so let's go back over this again. What are we in agreement about this year, folks? I can think of another thing, too, but we'll get to that. What are we supposed to be in agreement about? One purpose and one mind around what? Are we, are we nervous? I'm not. What? Jesus, that says it all. One purpose about evangelism. Reaching the lost. Abe said it. What else? Prayer. Yeah, okay, just forget it because you're, you're sitting here and you're uncomfortable. Well, 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 whatever, but, I mean, you ought to get it by now, folks. So you're going to see why we got it. Thank you for grinning and laughing at it's freeing me up on the inside with your smile instead of getting upset. Do you see why we need to go over things? Why do you train these kids at school on your wrestling team? Over and over and over. Well, I'm 65 years old. I don't need to gear it again. Yes, you do. I don't care what age you are. You got to hear it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing. So next Sunday, I'm going to ask you, what, we get, what are we in agreement about here at Harvest Church? And you're going to look at me and go, I, I think it's Jesus. That's a, good, that's a good thing. If we Can we be in agreement about promoting Jesus this year? Amen. Now, I'm not even going to go by, beyond one today. We're going to stick with one accord. There's no use giving you any more till you get this. You know, say, my pastor really does love me, but sometimes I frustrate him. And sometimes I frustrate you. It works both ways. I want to give you a story. I'm going to read this. This is a true story. This is about being in one accord. This really happened. Now, I met this man, Rick Renner, who was an apostle, went to Russia because God told him to go to Russia, and he started a church there, started a television ministry, and he's turned that whole nation of Russia upside down. And I had the privilege of meeting him when I went to Latvia years ago, very humble man, but he writes a book, it's a devotional, and he, he's a Greek scholar. But he and his wife and his ministry team, when they first got there and they established their church, um, saw some tremendous miracles. 
And he quotes the scripture that I gave you in Acts 8, verse 5. I'll read it to you again. It says, And Philip went down to the city Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And, they, and the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spoke, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, many taken with palsies that were lame and were healed, and there was great joy in that city. He had five days of meetings. And uh, I don't know if they were in Moscow or where they were at. He says that the first large public meeting that he and his wife had ever conducted, over 32,000, now listen, over the 32,000 people who attended the event, 7,000 people came forward to receive Christ. That's wonderful. 926 received water baptism. And we witnessed scores of healings, miracles, and deliverances. And this is the, the, the meeting that he had reminded him of the scripture that I just read to you about, about Philip. He talked about the miracles that, that they saw. And in fact, with many of the people, demons came out of people. People were screaming. Remarkable because of the delivering power of Christ. He says, but yet... There was one man who obviously needed a miracle, but had not received a healing touch in the meeting. So of all the nights and today's meetings, this man hadn't received his miracle. He came into the meetings each night after the meeting had started so he could get to his reserved seat without fighting the crowds that swarmed into the big auditorium. Because he came in late each night, I saw him each evening. I couldn't help but notice his desperate and sad physical condition and distorted look of pain in his face. I later learned that this man had been paralyzed from his waist down as a result of falling off of his house 19 years earlier. For 19 years, he used crutches like legs. He would swing his body on his crutches. How many have ever seen somebody really that couldn't walk use a crutch and, and how they swing those crutches. He'd swing those crutches slowly moving forward, one crutch step at a time. Once he would finally reach his seat each evening, he would collapse into his chair, exhausted from his crutch walk. Because he'd come in after the rest of the crowd was seated, many people watched him come into the auditorium each evening, and they were aware of his extremely disabled condition. That week, we had witnessed many instantaneous miracles. Ears of the deaf were opened. Now you're saying, you're talking about, is this book of Acts stuff? Yes. But this is today, folks. This really happened. And as Christ came into people's hearts, we literally heard demons scream as the power of Christ drove them out. It was everything I read about in the book of Acts, but it was happening here and now in our meeting. Denise and I were speechless at the wonder-working power of God we saw in those services. Now it was the last night. Oh, how I longed for that paralyzed man to receive a miraculous touch. At that last meeting concluded, I stood to dismiss the crowd and bid them farewell. Suddenly, I heard a lot of commotion to my left, and I turned to see what this disturbance was all about. I turned at the exact moment the man on the crutches suddenly shot straight up from his chair and threw his crutches into the air. 
Before I could even catch my breath, the man jumped and began walking free of crutches. The bottom half of his paralyzed body had suddenly come alive. This was the first time this man had walked in 19 years without the assistance of his crutches. He literally went walking and leaping and praising God all the way to the front of the auditorium where he threw his crutches on the stage and, there, and stood there jumping for joy. There was a crowd that night of approximately 8,000 people. When they saw this miracle happen before their eyes, now remember we're talking about being in one of, as they saw this miracle happen right before their eyes, hundreds reached, rushed the stage for more prayer. Only God knows how many more people received miracles that night. When the auditorium authorities said it was time to shut down the meeting, people didn't want to leave and had to be forcibly directed out of the arena and onto the street. People clung to us asking for more prayer, but it was time to leave. So we quickly left the stage through a private back hallway and a door that opened right to our transportation. However, when we exited the exterior door, several hundred people had already surrounded our vehicle, wanting one more opportunity to receive prayer. Later, as I meditated on the miracles we saw that week, I kept going back to Philip's ex experience in Samaria. It specifically says, The people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake. This is precisely what had occurred with us. So I opened up my Greek New Testament to study what these words meant. So he gives this Greek word, homothumadon, a comp compound of homo and thumus. The word homo usually points to a moment when something happens at one time or simultaneously. The word thumos here carries the picture, picture of passion. Everyone say passion. The people were excited about what Philip was preaching. The Greek word tells us they were completely stirred up and excited about what they were hearing. And it wasn't just a few of them, but all of them at once were caught in the moment. That's what being in one accord is. And that's what the Father, he, he wants his church, even the early church, but even the church today needs to be in one accord. And, you know, there are times, I'll be honest, I probably have not communicated effectively to you what God wants to do. There's no doubt because we're all human beings. We all miss it. And I might think one thing. You might think another thing. But I'll tell you what, communication is important. And that's what I, I want to try to do this year is communicate to you the heart of God for the church. What God wants to do through you, the church, the body of Christ. But we need to be in, in one accord. We need to be of the same mind. You can't come in here and have one idea about what the pastor should do and another idea or, you know, three ideas. And so in the days ahead, the weeks ahead, the months ahead, I, I want to be very clear about what we're to be in one accord about. And we want to reach the lost. I'm going to stop there because I just I want that to sink in. I had four or five other things, but we'll quit there. Yesterday, I, I, I had the privilege of doing a memorial service for John Nelson. You remember? The, he'd come in ear to ear, grinning. Remember the old gentleman? And uh, 
As I rode to the cemetery with, with the uh, funeral director, we were visiting. And I asked him, I said, you've been busy? Oh, yeah, we've been really busy. And they got job security just like preachers. And he said, but you know what? And he brought this up. He was a Catholic. He said, you would not believe today how many families must not have a church because we don't do funerals like we used to for a lot of these families. They just have, they just come the night before and have a viewing. That's it. It's at the funeral home. They don't have a church. They don't have a preacher. They don't have anybody there to help them when times get tough. And I'll tell you what, that really sunk in. And I thought to myself, you know, and everywhere I go now, I, I see people, and I'll think to myself, I wonder if they got a church. I wonder if they got a church family they can go to or a preacher they can call when they're in trouble. And I told the funeral director, I have done more funerals for people outside this church than the people in it because they had nobody. And that's sad. Does it have to be that way? No, it doesn't. The church, the local church is important. The local church is ne necessary today. And it's time that you and I begin to do our job, be in the same mind, be in agreement, one mind, one purpose, on getting people like that into the local church where they can be accepted for who they are. They don't have to clean up before they walk through the doors. They can come in here a mess, and we'll love them, but we're going to love them to the point where they're going to want to clean up. They can't stay that way anymore. If they're recreated in Christ and become new creations in Christ, then they're going to want to change. They're going to want to grow spiritually. They're going to want to get their family, their relationships together. But you need the local church. You need me and I need you. There's a guy right here. I'll pick on him, but he's tough. See this bushy-haired guy with the beard? Years ago, many years ago, I was going by a house, and there was a garage sale. I'm, my, my car truck is geared to go to wherever there's sales. Here. And out on the front yard, was, was there was a crock. It was cracked. I remember that. And other stuff. That's where I first met this guy. And I don't know how long, many years ago that's been. That's been quite a while. And, you know, I, I, I love this guy. I love this family. And, you know, just like me, he's not perfect. He's a work in progress. But I'm proud of him. I see him more and more coming to church. And, you know, did I ever make you come here? Did I ever get in your face and threaten you? <laughs> Tell the truth. I no. Have for eight years. But you know that I love you. And I'd do anything I can for you. Because God's working in his life. Granted, 
some people aren't going to hook up. You're going to cast a net and you're going to lose a few. But you're going to get some. Now, I'm the preacher. He's today, his family's here today because of God, but because of my influence, my family's influence in their life. And if I can do it, you can do it. So get out of your comfort zone and start reaching out to people. Dean lives in California. Works out, they live there and they live in Stanton. He's going back this week, and I don't blame him. I'd go back this week too. He's a smart man. And he was telling me something about where he works and how he watched this man as he worked. He was impressed with the way the man handled the public and how well he treated him. And Dean just was a nice guy, went out and bought him a gift and gave it to him. That's how you reach people. The man didn't expect anything from him. But he went in, and don't you suppose that impressed the guy? Sure it did. So start asking God, how can I reach people? What kind thing could I do to reach people in the days ahead to win them over to Jesus? Let's stand on our feet this morning. So I won't ask you now again what we're in agreement about. I'll write it down. Next week it'll be up here. And we'll make our confession cheap. And, and by the end of the year, you'll be able to do it. You, amen? How many of you know in your hearts that God wants to use you this year? Raise your hand. How many of you know you've got influence in, in your circle of friends and family, co-workers? You've got influence. So let's lift our hands today. Father... I pray this prayer for the people of Harvest Church. They're your kids, your sons and daughters, Father, and you have a plan and a purpose. So, Lord, we purpose to be in one accord, one mind, and one purpose in reaching the lost this year. So, Lord God, by your Spirit, I thank you for revealing to the people of Harvest Church those folks that they can bless, those folks that they can reach and influence. And I thank you, Lord, each one of them, their speech shall be with grace, seasoned with salt, that when they open their mouth, they're, they're going to know what to say to them. And their example and their love and their compassion is going to win them over. So, Father, we thank you. I'm expecting, Lord God, by the end of this year, the church to be full of people. New people. People that want to know Jesus. Want to get their act together. And Father, I, and we'll look back and we'll remember the first of the year when the preacher said that we're to be in one accord concerning reaching the lost. So thank you, Father, for blessing your people. Thank you, Father, for influence in their lives and reaching others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, if you're here today and you need prayer for your physical body, if you're sick, I want to pray with you before we go.
anybody, teacher, And then I want to pray. How many of you remember uh, Julie Osborne said we prayed in the past not too long ago about her boss. Remember a doctor, a dentist named Dr. Ernst? Well, he, they'd found cancer. Now they found a spot on his um, sp spine. So we want to pray for him too. Father, in the name of Jesus, you said we could pray for the sick. Father, I thank you, Lord God healing to flow. Infirmity is bound in the name of Jesus. And we loose your healing anointing upon her this day for the name of Jesus. The healing's in the name. And the name is Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for Dr. Ernst. We prayed. We thank you for your mercy for him. We continue to bind up cancer in his life, we curse every cancer cell in Dr. Ernst's body in the name of Jesus. We lose life, health, and strength. We bind the spirit of fear and lose peace. And Lord, if he's not saved, I thank you for his heart to be softened to the gospel of Jesus and labors will cross his path. 